Livingstone's Church this morning. We're glad that you're joining us. And uh, I just want to begin by expressing uh, deep gratitude and appreciation. I sent out a news, electronic newsletter this week, and we were trying to raise some money to help people in India. And I want to just say that within a day, uh, the monies came in, and that's awesome. So we actually met that need to care for people uh, in a financial need there in India. So thank you for your gracious giving. Then I want to just remind us that uh, we're entering into three nights of prayer and fasting, three days of prayer and fasting in our church. Monday night, we'll be live streaming at 7. Tuesday night, this is the important part for you. If you want to join us, we're going to do it on Zoom, which means the first 100 people that sign up can participate. Uh, Zoom has its limitation, folks. You can only have 100 people there, we found out. So please sign up immediately. We'll make sure you get that Zoom address out for the Tuesday night prayer meeting. And then Wednesday night, you don't have to worry about it. We'll be live streaming again at 7 o'clock. And we invite you to join us for those three nights and believe that God is going to do a powerful work uh, in our lives, in our church family, and around our world. And then also we want to encourage you, if you're interested in being a part of a Zoom home group, isn't that fun? We're going to start Zooming together. And uh, we just want to encourage you to uh, participate in that ministry. So what you need to do is uh, sign up and you get in contact with Charlene Hesselbeck. And that's just charlenes at livingstones.ab.ca. And that would be great. You need to sign up for that. So let us pray this morning. Father... We come before you right now in the wonderful name of Jesus. We want to thank you that you are with us even now, no matter where we are. I know many are in our homes uh, watching this, but not just in our own community. There are people around our world now listening in. And I pray, Father, that you would strengthen us, that you would direct us, you would encourage us, that you would speak powerfully into our lives today as we look at your word, Father, and the power of living a life surrendered to you, the power of knowing you, Jesus, and then doing what you're asking us to do brings about amazing, profound, and eternal results. I ask today, Lord, as we open up your word, that you would speak into every heart in Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen. I'm going to have you turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Proverbs chapter 10. And I've been doing a series from this book, but now we're actually going to get into the heart of these little proverbial sayings. Now, some of you may know the story of Samson, very famous Old Testament story found in the book of Judges chapters 13 to 16. And in the story of Samson, we have a window into the very nature of how God's purposes and calling are fulfilled despite the impact of sin in a person's life. Now, Samson's background is absolutely amazing. His is actually a miracle birth. As he was born to a woman who was unable to have children, but God intervened. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and told her that she would have a son and that he would be dedicated to God and would begin a process of delivering his people from the hands of their enemies. So Samson has an amazing destiny before him, and yet Samson struggles with obeying God's word. He actually defies his Nazarite vow by taking honey from a dead carcass of a lion that he had killed earlier. 
And then he decides to marry outside of the household of faith, which ultimately leads to disastrous results. And there in the book of Judges, we read of the growing hostility between Samson and the Philistines. And in chapter 16, we see Samson spending the night with a prostitute in the Philistine-controlled city of Gaza. And then ultimately, we see uh, Samson meeting his match because he falls in love with Delilah, who discovers his secret source of strength. So we see in Samson's undisciplined and unrestrained sexual behavior, it not only entraps him, but leads to his imprisonment. He becomes blinded, he's shamed, and in the end he destroys not only his enemies, but begins to start the process of delivering God's people from their enemies. Now, one of the great mistakes I think we make in life is make the assumption that our sin will actually go unnoticed, unheeded, or even unpunished. It may seem both individually and as a culture that how we live may not have immediate ramifications, but there are immediate consequences for our sin. You see, sin actually separates us from God, and it not only impacts our life, but the lives of those we love in negative ways, because sin always has a way of diminishing us. So Proverbs argues for the need for wisdom, and wisdom in the book of Proverbs is defined as the fear of God in our lives. In other words, there has to be an acknowledgement of God's rightful place and the need to live according to his ways. Now this is actually in contrast to living unwisely or foolishly. And yet in Proverbs, we also have a synonym for these ideas. To live wisely means to live righteously. Righteousness simply means that we're doing what is right in the eyes of God. We are to live in obedience to God's word, which reveals to us really the nature of God's character and of his ways. And so to live in folly is to live in wickedness or disobedience to God. It's a state, actually, of rebellion. How we live determines the outcome of our lives. Old Testament scholar David Hubbard points out the Lord has actually rigged the universe for righteousness. To, to go his way prompts reward. To go against it actually leads to failure. Now, Proverbs are designed to reinforce this concept. Proverbs are these short little pithy statements that are easy to, for us to remember, and they describe the effects of either living a righteous life or a wicked life by naming simply a cause and an effect. One caution we need to make in understanding Proverbs is that we have to be careful because Proverbs make these sweeping statements and overgeneralizations. And that's one of the reasons why Old Testament scholars agree and warn us against taking Proverbs as promises. Now, one, other biblical writings like Job and the book of Ecclesiastes and Psalm 49 and Psalm 73 recognize this, and they actually play a welcome role in the Bible by telling us that God understands how complex life seems when he chooses not to follow the formula of Proverbs. In other words, uh, most of us, we need to reckon 
first of all, with the rules before we look at the exceptions, according to David Hubbard. But what he's talking about is simply that there are times in this life that the general principles that are being laid out, as we're going to talk about today, the rewards of righteousness, are not always immediately played out. But we know ultimately doing the right thing is the best course of action. And so there are a number of Proverbs here in chapter 10 that bring the idea that the effect of righteousness has in a person's life. And so we're gonna look today and examine the effects that a righteous life has on impacting our lives and those that we're in a relationship with. Now I wanna take a look at two things. First of all, the effects of righteousness in the lives of other people. In other words, our righteousness, how it impacts their lives. And it was John Donne who wrote that no man is an island. We are all interconnected and we're impacted and we impact the lives of people around us. We realize that what's happening in other parts of our world today are affecting our lives. And I think it's really been brought home recently when you know, this virus got spread and it just got transmitted around the world. But it's not just a virus that's like that. As a matter of fact, also ideas and lifestyles are being transmitted very rapidly around our world and they influence and impact all of our lives. How we live our lives impacts and affects the lives of other people, both positively and also negatively. And so we, first of all, we see the effects of righteousness on our families. Proverbs here describes how living a righteous life impacts our family. And in this case, in verse one, our parents. But I think it's also, uh, well, as we'll see, it impacts our spouse and our children. And I love this book of Proverbs because it's really giving us practical wisdom and how to live life. And it's especially designed for younger people so that they would learn to make wise choices with their lives. Now, one of the most fundamental laws in both the modern and in the ancient world or in society is to honor our parents or those that are in authority. And so in the book of Exodus, it says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now that's in the book of Exodus. Now that same command is repeated again the second time in the book of Deuteronomy. And in chapter five and verse 16, he adds, not only will they live long in the land, but it will go well with them. I like that little expression. It will go well with you if you do what the word of God is teaching you. And so in Proverbs 10, verse one, it says, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Now, this is what we call an anthetical proverb. In other words, a contrast is being expressed. And throughout the first nine chapters, we've seen the difference between wisdom and folly. And biblical wisdom, obviously, it's how it's described in relationship to God that we show deference and respect. And the mark of our deep on respect towards God is that we follow in his ways rather than rebel against his ways. Bruce Walkie describes uh, the fool as a person who is morally deficient, which prompts irrational behavior. They delight in twisting values that actually benefit the community. And I would add that fools are self-assertive and trust in everything but God. So the result of wisdom or being righteous is that it brings joy into the lives of those that we love. In contrast, when we, when we don't do what God is telling us to do, it brings sorrow and heartache in the relationships that are closest to us. Now, 
Dr. Tremper Longman points out is clearly assuming here that the parents are wise themselves. If the parents were fools, then their joy would be elicited by their child's evil, unrighteous behavior. Wise parents, in contrast, would be encouraged by the righteous behavior of their son, but chagrined at his folly. And I'll, I'll point out that there is even exceptions here as well, because sometimes ungodly people value a child that is conforming to moral standards. Now, another group that is benefited by the righteous are those whose lives have been nourished by them. And so in Proverbs 10, 21, it says, the lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of sense. Now, when we're speaking of words like lips and mouth in Proverbs, we're actually speaking about this idea of words and communication. It's the words that are coming out of righteous people. So wise or righteous people have a way of affirming, encouraging, inspiring, challenging, correcting, but basically building people up. And that word nourish is a, such a powerful word because it's actually trans, the, the word translated nourish by the translators could actually mean shepherding. And so the idea is that the wise person is a person who is shepherding or nurturing people in the right way. And their words have a profound impact on the community because it's nurturing many. Now, it, this is now contrasted by the person who is described as a fool who's lacking sense. Now that word lacking sense, that's a translation of a Hebrew word that could easily be translated lacks heart. And I think that's an important concept because heart is actually one of those core issues in the book of Proverbs. And, and Proverbs talks about we need to guard our hearts. We need to uh, pay attention to what's going on in our innermost being. That's what the heart is. And so this idea is constantly being brought out in the book of Proverbs because the heart is the seat where you and I make choices in life. And so we need to recognize that God is giving us responsibility to make the right choice. Now notice here in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 8, one of the issues of the heart. It says, the wise in heart accept commands and and basically what it's saying is they're teachable. They're open to instruction. But a chattering fool comes to ruin. Now, I think it's pretty obvious, you know, the wise in heart are those that are teachable. But the second part, the chattering fool, may not strike us. What's that talking about? Just somebody rambling on? No, it's actually more significant than that. It's rather talking back. It's, it's that attitude where I don't want to be told anything. I'm in, I'm in rebellion against those in authority, so I'm talking back. I'm unwilling to listen to instruction. And what it's warning us here is that when we do that, it's at our own expense. We're the ones that are going to suffer for that. And then it goes on to say the words of the righteous uh, express wisdom. In Proverbs 10, 31, it says here that the mouth of the righteous comes the fruit of wisdom, but a perverse tongue will be silenced. And so the word fruit here really is it's what it's producing. It promotes life. And when you talk about, in the biblical sense, promoting of life, what you're really talking about is this idea of actually drawing in, in a right relationship with God. 
and that causes growth and spiritual prosperity to occur in our lives. While the term for perverse can be translated twisted. Now, that's an interesting word. You know, think about this. When the Bible talks about people that are perverse, what he's saying is that their minds are twisted. They're not straight. They don't have it right. They, they're, they're messed up in their thinking. And Tremper Longman points out this idea of them being cut off. To be cut off is used throughout the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament to refer for, to punishment for unethical and what we would call uncovenantal behavior. So the effects of the righteous on the community. So it's not just that we're affecting our families, but we're also affecting a broader range group of people. So we could look at the community in the sense that we have a church family, so we're part of a community. So when we're living the right way, this community is benefiting from our lives. But we also have a larger community in the place in which we dwell. And for many of us who live in Red Deer here, we have a city. And it says here in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 10, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. So in other words, uh, he's basically saying, and I think there's, there's a bigger, deeper meaning here. It says, through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. And so the idea, I think, is simply stating that there, when the righteous are in positions of social prominence, when they're in a place of influence, they're having a great impact on the welfare of a community. But when, they, when the wicked are uh, finally taken away from those places of authority, the community flourishes as a result. So Dr. Longman says it this way, they may thus occupy government positions where their righteous behavior will lead to social justice and the alleviation of oppression. On the other hand, the wicked are defined by their practice of such things as injustice and oppression. So we've just briefly looked at what happens when you and I are walking in a right way before God, when you and I have our faces turned towards God, when you and I are looking to him and trying to walk in his ways, we are considered wise or righteous in his eyes, and it has a very positive impact on the lives of others. But I want to just move on my, my second point, and it's simply this. Uh, not only has it an influ influence and an impact on the lives of others, but it also impacts our personal lives. And so I want to just look, restrict myself here, because Proverbs, there's so many of these, but in chapters 10 and a little bit in 11 here, we see at least six things that happens to us when you and I walk with God and do what he's asking us to do, or we're living wisely or righteously as the Proverbs are teaching. First, we can be confident that God will provide our needs. Now, it's very fascinating when we start chapter one, first warning in chapter one is that the young person would not join the gang of young people who were gonna go after ill-gotten gains. Now we read in verse Two of Proverbs 10, ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the cravings of the wicked. So if you do the right things towards others, in the end, you benefit. And I like the way Dr. Walkie brings this out. He says, paradoxically, the wicked use others to store up physical assets for themselves, and then they lose their lives. 
while the righteous use their resources to serve others, and as a result, it stores up life for themselves. And isn't that kind of what Jesus said? You have to lose your life in order to find it, and then you find your life in order, uh, and then you don't lose your life. You're, you're really giving your life away for God's purposes. And I think Jesus has this in mind also when he challenges us in Matthew 6 not to get worried over the necessities of life. It says here, and we hear these words, and I think it's, these are powerful words, especially in times of uncertainty. And I think today is a time of uncertainty. Many people are, are a little concerned about the future. Where are we going to head as a result of coming to an end of this uh, virus uh, how is this going to impact ec us economically? And then Jesus says these words in Matthew chapter 6, which I think are powerful. He says, so don't worry. So don't worry, he says, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? He says, for the pagans run after all of these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So just to summarize what Jesus is saying, he's saying, hey, don't worry about it. But he's not advocating indifference. He's not advocating laziness. As we're about to see in the next two Proverbs, we find that one of the qualities of a righteous person is that they are diligent. In verse four it says, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during the harvest is a disgraceful son. Now, it's interesting, if you were to translate this literally, it says a slack palm brings poverty, but he says, an extended hand brings wealth. So here again, uh, Old Testament scholar Walke cautions us that this is only one aspect of the reward of the righteous. They teach that industry, contentment, thrift, forethought will produce wealth and protect against poverty. But this must be held in tension with the counter proverbs that assume that the righteous may be temporarily poor and the wicked rich due to the tyranny against the poor. However, in the future, in a future that outlasts death, the labor of the righteous will be rewarded. And what is he really saying to us? He's saying simply this, that when you and I do what's right in the eyes of God, that even though we may have some challenges in this earthly life, God is able to bless and reward our lives in a very powerful way. And ultimately, the righteous people will be rewarded by Almighty God in eternity. We can be confident that whoever walks in integrity will walk securely. And verse 9 of chapter 10 says, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. And I think here we see the value of honesty in contrast to dishonesty. The prophet Isaiah was writing to challenge the people of his own hour who had deviated from the pathway of God. And so um, what, what I love about the Old Testament is just the way it works together so beautifully. You have, you know, the law that's laid out, and then the prophets come along and challenge the people to live according to that covenantal agreement with God, the law, and then you have these beautiful Proverbs that we're looking at today who are practically applying these truths into our lives. And here in Isaiah, he says, 
The sinners in Zion are terrified. Trembling grips the godless. Who of us can dwell with the consuming fire? That's just speaking of who God is. Who of us can dwell with everlasting burning? And then he talks about the kind of people who can literally walk with God. And they're described as the people who live this kind of a life. In Isaiah 33, 15, he says, those who walk righteously and speak what is right, who reject gain from extortion and keep their hands from accepting bribes, who stop their ears against plots of murder and shut their eyes against contemplating evil. They are the ones who will dwell in the heights, whose refuge will be in the mountain fortress. Their bread will be supplied and their water will not fail them. What is he basically saying? He's saying, listen, when you and I walk with God, God's gonna watch over us. We have a deep sense of security in our lives and that God can provide for us in a beautiful way. And then it says here, righteousness then instructs us how we ought to live. In verse 17 in chapter 10, it says, whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores corrections leads others astray. So when we do as God instructs, we're actually on the right path. And he's showing us how we ought to live. And then we become a model to, and an example to other people how they ought to live. So we should never be at a loss at how to live. Those scriptures are teaching us exactly what we should be doing. God's word gives us clarity and an understanding of what the right thing is to do. In Proverbs 6.23 it says, For this command is a lamp, this teaching is a light, and correction and instruction are the way to life. So what happens when we walk in obedience to God's word? What happens? Well, I like this next part. The desires of the righteous are granted. In verse 24, it says, what the wicked dread will overtake them, what the righteous desires will be granted. And then in verse 28, the prospect of the righteous is joy, but the hope of the wicked comes to nothing. So, what a great element that like God is basically saying, listen, when you and I are doing what God wants, ultimately God creates and renews and transforms our hearts and gives us healthy desires and then God begins to fulfill those desires in our lives. David Hubbard reminds us that in Proverbs, a dynamistic retribution is a much more common means of reward than forensic. In other words, what he's saying is, God isn't sitting on the throne all the time waiting to punish us for doing the wrong thing. No, what he's basically saying is often God just kind of allows our decisions and choices to bring about either reward or punishment into our lives based on the choices we make. And so this dynamistic means that a crime inevitably carries the power to affect its own consequences. And so we live in a world says the wise, where every cause achieves its appropriate effect. What is true in architecture, how well you build determines how well you live. And in agriculture, what you sow, you reap. And then in the same in the realm of business, politics, social welfare, and personal morality. Like a boomerang, when you hurl, what you hurl at life actually comes back to hit you, either for good or for bad. So in verse, chapter 11, verse 6, he says, The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by evil desires. Now, isn't that true in our lives? 
we, we end up, you know, especially with the nature of sin, we're maybe initially attracted to something, and then we get involved in it, and then eventually we become addicted to it. And sin has a great power in our lives. But I want to just make a declaration to you today that maybe you're there. Maybe you're camped in some area of addiction in your life and you want to be set free from it. I want to just declare to you today, if you'll cry out to God and say, Lord, would you deliver me from my addiction? God, there's a power in the presence of the living God. When you and I confess our need to him, he can take away this this power in our lives. Righteousness actually brings stability in times of crisis. It actually becomes a refuge. And that's, that's why it's so exciting to be walking with God because no matter how many challenges you're faced with in life and when difficulties actually show up on the scene, you and I can be strong enough to handle that situation. It says here in Proverbs 10:25, when the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. Proverbs 10:29, the way of the Lord is a refuge for the blameless but it is a ruin to those who do evil. The righteous will never be uprooted, but the wicked will not remain in the land. Now, when we're reading in the Old Testament, so often the picture of being in the land is a powerful thought because the whole covenant was based on God giving them the land. And if they would obey God, God would keep them in the land. But when they disobey God, God would take them away from the land. That's exactly what happened. They began to disobey and God exiled the people. You say, but how does that apply to you and I as a New Testament believer? Well, exile just means that we're no longer where God's presence is because in the Jewish mindset in the Old Testament, to be in the land meant they were where God's presence was. And so now they are uh, taken away from the land meant that they were cast from God's presence. And so when you and I sin, what's really actually happening in our lives is we have allowed our sin to separate us from Almighty God. And so disobedience causes a barrier between ourself and God. And it's a barrier that's created by our own sinful choices. So therefore, when you and I are doing the right thing before God, we can live with an amazing confidence. As a matter of fact, it goes on to talk about righteousness will actually deliver us from trouble. And how many recognize that a lot of our troubles are self-induced? We create our own problems. I know I'm not saying every trouble is that way because Jesus did say that in the world you will have trouble, you'll have tribulation. And we recognize that trouble comes as long as we're living on the planet because there's not only our own issue called sin, but we have the sin issues of, of the world around us. But ultimately, like David, we can confess, but the Lord delivers us from all our troubles. Proverbs 11, 8 says, the righteous person is rescued from trouble and it falls on the wicked instead. Now, I think that this Proverbs is basically telling us a couple of things and one of them is the idea that often the wicked set a trap for the righteous. And we see a number of Old Testament stories where that actually happens. And I can think of the story in the book of Esther where Haman now is jealous of Mordecai and decides that he wants him to be destroyed. And he builds a gallow for Mordecai, but what happens in the end of the book of Esther is that Haman ends up hanging on the gallows that he created for the righteous Mordecai. And then we see another interesting story is the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Many of us are familiar with that story where people are jealous of him as a leader and they come against him and create a law and Daniel actually uh, 
praise to God, which they had made a violation of that law. And he was now banished by the laws of the Medes and the Persian into the lion's den. And God sends an angel. Daniel is rescued. And then the king is so upset with those other people that he throws them all into the lion's den where they are consumed. So we see that Proverbs is telling us the righteous person is rescued from trouble, but it falls on the wicked instead. Now we could easily continue and discuss the effects of righteousness throughout the scriptures. There's no question in my mind, the scriptures teach very clearly that righteousness is rewarded. And righteousness or walking in wisdom is not only a blessing to ourselves, but it's also a blessing to those around us. So Proverbs has a way of creating this amazing contrast between two distinctly different ways of living. The first one is simply the way in which we serve God, the way we live for God, the way we are, are the face of our lives, the direction of our lives, that we're walking towards God. And I think that it's also showing us that there's people making a choice by disobedience walking away from God. And so there's this distinction that's being made continuously through the book of Proverbs. The benefits of walking with God is not only evident in our lives, but it's seen in how it's leaving an amazing legacy behind in our lives. And so I want to just raise a couple of questions today in closing. Number one, what kind of a legacy are you leaving? In Proverbs chapter 10, in verse 7, it says, The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the reputation of the wicked will rot. This is from the New English translation. The memory of the righteous is a blessing. How powerful is this in our lives? To be the kind of person that leaves a lasting, powerful, godly legacy that would bless our children and our grandchildren and bless the lives of people that we're living in community with. Or we can, you know, just decide to do our own thing, turn our back on God and disobey his word. And the Bible says here that the reputation of the wicked will rot. I mean, people want to forget people that do those kinds of things. And then I would say this to each one of us. You know, if we're going to walk wisely, if we're going to live righteously, how many recognize we need help to do that? And that's the beauty of the gospel message, that in Christ, our righteousness comes from him. And as we put our faith and trust in him, he imputes to us, he gives to us his righteousness so that you and I now have the spirit of the living God inside of us, changing our hearts, creating new desires within us. And one of the reasons I know that we are a follower of Christ is when our desire is to please God. That comes from God above. And I just pray today that you and I would make that choice in our heart because Proverbs is teaching we all have a choice. We can choose to follow God or we can choose to reject him. We can choose to obey him or choose to reject him. We can choose to listen to instruction or we can block our ears and harden our hearts and, you know, and just allow our sin to deceive us and then all of a sudden, you know, we're doing the wrong things to our own detriment and to the detriment of the people around us. So I'm going to have us open our hearts now in prayer as we close the service today. You know, I love the book of Proverbs. And if you lack wisdom in your life, what a great book to go to. Practical instruction. And you can see here 
that he's teaching us the effects or the reward of living a wise and righteous life. Let's ask God to help us. I'm going to have a stand. And so, Father, I do come before you today, and I recognize that there is a poverty of spirit that many people are living in. And yet when we come to recognize our poverty of spirit apart from you, and then we begin to mourn over our sins, we can call out to you and say, Father, would you come into my life? Would you forgive me? Would you transform my heart? Would you give me a tender heart towards you? Would you help me to forsake the way of unrighteousness? Would you help me to walk in wisdom and in righteousness? Father, can I begin to experience those amazing blessings that your word decrees for the child of God? Lord, help me to do what is right and pleasing in your sight so that my life would be not only blessed, but it would become a blessing to the people that I live with in my home and I live with in my community. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.